holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and a report concerning him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and he went to the synagogue as his custom was on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and there was given to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, open our eyes to see you. Open our minds to understand you. Open our hearts to receive you. And then open our mouths to proclaim the good news of your salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What will you do? What will you do? It is the only thing that you have ever known and believed. For generations, your family has been faithful to the traditions and the customs, so much so that you can't possibly imagine anything else. You have always known yourself to be part of God's covenant community. Abraham is the father of your people. The law of Moses is your moral guide. Your family observes the rituals, the feasts, and the festivals, you are faithful to the Passover and to make the appointed sacrifices. Your firstborn son was circumcised on the eighth day. You have learned and you have taught your children the stories. Esther and Ruth are among your heroines. Joshua and King David are some of your warriors. The exile is your history of your people. It was your ancestors who had their homes destroyed, their property seized, and their possessions taken. Your family tells stories of those who returned from that exile in Babylon, how they worked side by side to rebuild the wall and the temple, and how the prophets came proclaiming God's Messiah, the anointed one who would come. This is what you have been told as truth. To do anything else would be unfaithful. To believe anyone else would be blasphemy. So as you sit in that small synagogue on that Sabbath day, situated in the city of Nazareth in the district of Galilee, you would know exactly where you are because you would know exactly who you are and whose you are. Nazareth, after all, means branch. It alludes to the prophetic messianic words in Isaiah 11, chapter 1, and it says, From Jesse's roots, a branch will bear fruit. Nazareth is the home of the one named Mary. It's the town where Mary and Joseph would raise Jesus. Therefore, doubtless, he and they visited this synagogue, this very one where you're seated with regularity. 
Well, young Jesus is gaining a bit of a reputation as a teacher, a rabbi. Word has it that he was among the multitudes who recently went down to the river, the River Jordan, where he himself would be baptized by the prophet John with the multitudes. The River Jordan where Joshua and the Israelites once crossed over into the promised land and laid down those stones, those stones of remembrance that God told them to put there so that they would know that he is their God. And this is their salvation history. And this is the land he had promised them. And they would definitively, objectively be his people. And then rumor has it that this young Jesus, he just, he just kind of wandered off into the desert. He was gone for about 40 days. You're not really sure what happened there. But he came back looking different. His body was gaunt and fatigued, but his countenance was different. So as you see him enter the synagogue where you're seated, you know that he's gained this reputation as a teacher, a rabbi, and the people are beginning to believe him and give him special honor. As if he possesses a certain inexplicable, perhaps even divine quality about him. And then this young charismatic preacher receives the scroll of the book of the prophet Isaiah, a rather long piece of parchment rolled and unrolled carefully by the scribes. His leathery hands begin to search the scriptures. Mind you, there are no chapters and verses. There's no punctuation in ancient Hebrew. Yet he swiftly finds exactly what he's looking for as if he is somehow intimately entwined with the word of God. And marking his place, he straightens himself upright and he begins to read. Verses that are well known to the faithful, prophetic utterances of Isaiah that are now 700 years old, there in the city of Nazareth, the fruit-bearing branch of Jesse's tree. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the young preacher recites, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And in that silent space of transition, your spirit rests secure and your soul is comforted. These words remind you that you are, in fact, part of God's covenant. You know that this prophecy is yet unfulfilled, and you're well aware that the prophets have been silent for 400 years now, except perhaps this John who is a baptizer, but time hasn't tested him yet. But you know, you know that God is good, and you know that God keeps his covenant promises. And then... The impossible happens. The young preacher begins his teaching. He sits down and gazing into the congregation with this eternal love that is radiating from his eyes and an authority in his voice that you have never heard before. He declares, today, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And now the question becomes, what will you do? 
What will you do? Be careful before you answer. At first, the congregation speaks well of him, and your heart is racing. You're inclined to agree. After all, we've been expecting the Messiah of God to come. Could he finally be the one? Could this really be the time that God will actually save us? You want it to be true. You know it's supposed to be true. And you can't bear the thought of it not being true. But you know this, Jesus. And in the next breath, your fears are validated. Isn't this Joseph's son? Some start to ask. And by the time it's all said and done, the unbridled joy has turned to unmitigated anger because the crowd has driven Jesus to the edge of a cliff where they intend to throw him off and kill him. Yet somehow, mysteriously, even miraculously, he simply walks back through the crowd and goes on about his business. And now the question is killing you. What will you do? You saw the look of love in his eyes sitting in that synagogue. You heard the authority of heaven in his voice. And you felt the amazement sweep through the congregation as he spoke. And yet in the next instant, you were completely ripped in two. For the very same crowd that received him turned on him and rejected him. The very same people who applauded him turned on him and persecuted him. The covenant community of God tried to kill him. And you were there. And there you stand, left all alone to make your choice. What will you do? Will you follow Jesus? Or will you go back to the crowd? Friends, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means letting go of the crowd. It means letting go of our own perceptions. And it ultimately means following the truth. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We, of course, have the benefit of hindsight. If you and I had been faithful Jews on that day that Jesus visited that synagogue, there's really no telling how we might have responded. Maybe we would have driven Jesus to the edge of that cliff. But perhaps we're guilty of that even today. Driving him out of our lives when we don't like his words. I'm sure it was incredibly difficult headspace for the Jews. To at once believe that God was going to fulfill his promises while at the same time asking themselves, is this carpenter boy the one who's going to do it? But again, we have the benefit of hindsight. We can look back and see the whole picture how Jesus lived and performed miracles, how he died so we don't have to spend an eternity in hell, how he rose again from the dead to show us that there is life after the grave. But yet there's one more part to the story, isn't there? And we heard it coming to us through this morning's collect. Give us grace, O Lord. Give us grace to answer readily the call of our Savior. And to proclaim 
the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world, and the whole world might perceive the glory of his works. And do you know what we all said in response to that prayer? We all said amen. We all said, so be it. Amen. So be it. And again, we have the benefit of hindsight, which means we don't really have any wiggle room concerning the question, do we? So I'll tell you what I believe. In 1996, as a 26-year-old, I was climbing to the top of my profession, doing real estate deals, making over $100,000 a year, and somehow I found myself on a mission trip to Africa. I really don't know how that happened still. And there I saw, there I saw people who would never see $100,000 in three lifetimes. They would never know that kind of cash in three, maybe four lifetimes. But what I also saw was God working powerfully in their lives. So much so that it compelled me to say to God, I don't want anything else but you. I don't want anything else but you. I told him I was prepared to give up everything for him and go wherever he told me to go. And that, my friends, as you know, has become my life calling and ambition. And through that experience and over time, I have become to believe and to know that the church is on a mission. The church all over the world is on a mission to actually take over the world through the proclamation of the good news of the gospel. That's what the church is. That's who the church is. And that's what the church is doing on this earth. A hostile takeover of this world with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And that's what we're doing. And it turns out, my friends, that you and I are ambassadors of the Most High God. If you don't read, believe me, read Paul's letter to the Corinthians. You and I are ambassadors of the Most High. Think about that. We're not ambassadors of the governor or the president of the United States, blah, 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 blah. We are ambassadors of the Most High God who are supposed to gather here every Sunday to receive our divine order from Jesus Christ and to go out into the world every day to proclaim the good news of his salvation. You are working in your stations with all your businesses, and I in mine, which is this parish, and together we are missionaries right here in southwest Fort Worth. But it doesn't start here, and it doesn't stop here either. We're part of a global family in Malawi, in Mexico, in Cambodia, laboring together for the gospel. Even this morning, we're going to commission Glenn Petta once again to go back out on another missionary journey. Therefore, again, I ask the question, what will you do? What will you do? You do realize that this morning we are standing on the edge of our future. The other day I had lunch with someone who recently visited us. After lunch, he wrote me an email note which had these words in it. He said, I wanted to let you and the founding group of Christ the Redeemer know this. He said, from the first time I saw your banners on Bryant Urban Road, back when y'all were at the rec center, 
He said, the name Christ the Redeemer stuck in my head. He said, Redeemer is such a powerful and encouraging idea. Redeemer is such a powerful and encouraging idea. And so it is. My friends, we have worked so hard these seven years to win the right to get to this place. And I believe the door to our future is opening this spring. Men, the Archbishop of the whole United States is coming to speak to you. Men, the Archbishop of the whole United States is coming to speak to you. You have a private audience with the Archbishop of the whole United States. Then he'll be at dinner to meet anyone who wants to come. Anyone and everyone is welcome. And then he's going to be right here on Sunday following to teach and to preach, to give us the word of God. My friends, the whole Anglican communion is going to gather in April in North Carolina. This isn't a meeting. This isn't one event among many events on the calendar. This is the global communion gathered together to consider our missionary purpose all over the world, locally, regionally, and internationally. Bishops, priests, deacons, laity from around the world, people whose names can't even be spoken publicly because they're in persecution. You don't want to miss this. This is priority A. We are on a hostile takeover of the world with the good news of the gospel. Our own missionaries, Summer and Guy Benton, will be keynote speakers. Glenn Petta is going to give a workshop. Right here, we'll be running the Alpha class, which is designed to introduce people to the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a chance right here to bring friends who haven't heard the gospel, who've walked away from the gospel, whose souls are in question. And if that matters, bring them here to hear the good news. So again, I ask the question, what will you do? What if Jesus came into the room today and opened the book and started speaking to you? Or could it be that he's already here and the book is already open? And could it be that he is speaking to us? It's your turn to decide. Will you leave and go back to the crowd? Or will you follow Jesus, even if it means walking by yourself sometimes? My friends, God is here in this place. And he is speaking to us now and about our future. <clears throat> what will you do?